0: You're listening to
1: Girl Talk Imas, a podcast created to empower women through all stages of life. I'm Marisa. And I'm Carnella. Thanks for tuning in. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Girl Talk Imas.
0: Let's chat. <laughs> for joining us. We really appreciate your time right now sharing your story because um, we know it's not an easy one to share. And, and even in us talking, it's not an easy one to hear about, you know, on the, on the other side of that. So uh, just you taking your time um, and being a storyteller and an activist for um, child abuse and, and, you know, any kind of abuse is it just speaks huge um, on the kind of person you are. So thank you for taking the time to be on Girl Talking Us.
2: Thank, thank you so much for having me. I, I'm really excited about this. And part of the reason specifically uh, that I appreciate talking with you ladies this morning is exactly what you said, this is a difficult topic. Mm-hmm. So any opportunity we can simply go into just a general discussion, I welcome. So thank you very much for inviting me.
0: Yes. Thank definitely. you. Thank you. That means so much. Um, and, in your book learning, learning to take it, how I grew to accept abuse. Yes. Tell us, uh, three things that we can learn from your book and kind of when, when you wrote that, at what point in, in, um, in your life, did you write that book or did you feel like you could, you could write that book?
2: Okay, so when did I write it? I actually uh, started writing in, uh, I think it was June of 2015. And this was wow. years after mm-hmm. I had been out of abuse. Right. Uh, and I started writing specifically to really answer sort of a social question that stays out there, which is, you know, whenever you were a kid, maybe you didn't have a choice, but You know, as an adult, if things are so bad, then why not just leave? And that's really one of these questions that is sort of framed as an inquiry. But if you're really going to look at it, it's a judgment because people make assumptions that you're just not trying hard enough or you haven't made a decision to do it. So my decision was to write this, um, basically answering that question for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And three things that I would say I, I could really, I got from from writing it that Mm -hmm. I hope people get in reading it is one is I really got to hear my own reality in an objective way and with that what came from it is a different level of understanding and and a different sense of self-compassion to say wait a minute what option was there really and what kinds of lessons are there I mean this is not just okay something bad happened, now move on. Mm -hmm. No, these are things that actually shape your life. So that's one thing is really understanding uh, on a different level with more of a compassionate um, kind of uh, acceptance to it. Mm -hmm. Second thing was, and I think this is a a real point of the book that I I hope comes across, is the simplicity of judgment that we have. You know, on on a, a kind of a big scale our society looks at things on a very superficial level level we say well if this happens why don't you just do this mm-hmm. and whenever I was really going through I um, I mean the book is it's a very simple voice it's not sophisticated it really simply tells a story but as we go through the story we see this young girl going through experiences but we don't focus so much on the abuse what we talk about is what is learned during that time? Yeah. So what I want really to come across is, let's not get so stuck on the events mm-hmm. that we forget that there is a lasting impact with the lessons that are learned from that event. And I understand mm-hmm. child abuse is a horribly offensive topic. So mm-hmm. yes, it is gonna be offensive reading about an event, but we have to get past that to see what's being learned.
0: And that And that's the reason why I wanted to ask you this question first um, was because I wanted you to kind kind of set the tone for, you know, we're trying, we're trying to get the, your message out there as to, to what your book is about. And, and that's like learning this part, this side of it, you know, and, and not yes. so much dwelling on the, on the event.
2: Yes, that, that's, that is a, a major, major takeaway. I think the third thing is as you go through, I, I encourage anybody to write their own story speak their own story even if you don't share it to the world if you can simply allow yourself the space to do it don't worry about whether the work is good or bad Mm -hmm. because it really doesn't matter if it's honest then you're going to be able to get to a point of hearing yourself and embracing yourself in a different way and if you can do that to your for yourself then you can also incorporate that sense of understanding and compassion when you talk to other people so the third thing I would say is don't worry about whether or not you're a good or a bad writer simply give yourself time to have that voice
0: yeah to, to give yourself a voice yeah. and bef- um do you want to tell us just so so everybody knows when when how old were you when when this abuse happened to you and how long did it go yes
2: on? absolutely so Um, The reality is I was born into a a household of abuse. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's one of these things where people ask me, you know, when was the first time I remember any sense of sexual molestation? Well, the answer is I don't know the first time because it was simply part of the world. It it would be the same as asking the average person, when was the first time you heard music? Mm -hmm. You probably don't know. because it was was simply part of the world, right? And it it was just one of these things. It was constant, and it was interesting because the kinds of abuse, there was a lot of sexual abuse, uh, there was physical uh, abuse, and there was a lot, a lot of emotional uh, abuse and mental manipulation. The sexual abuse seemed to be there. uh, It was just there. Mm -hmm. Um, the, The violence I would see my mother had this pattern you know, of going out and she would find the same men. She would either find the sexual predators that would approach me or the violent ones who would hurt her. And it was just constant. Mm-hmm. But it was a very interesting environment because my mother also made some very real attempts to tell us that sexual abuse is not supposed to happen. So she would talk to me, and I was it was me and my brother who uh, grew up with my mom. And my brother's just a year older than me. And she would talk to us, you know, as young as when I was about four, and she would say, you know, all the right things. If someone touches you, you need to say something. It's not right. This is what happens. Mm -hmm. But in reality, it it didn't work. Right. So I'm there thinking, okay, well, this is already happening. Let me speak up. So I would speak up in a little girl voice. Right. To Mm -hmm. say things that were happening. But my mom would receive it in a way where she would just deny it she would say she wouldn't say that it didn't happen what she would say is i misinterpreted and so there was this really confusing um navigation through this world now when it came to the violent side my mom was not as um mysterious in it with with the sexual abuse she would at least say for a while that it wasn't supposed to happen with the physical abuse i had an active direct lesson that women get hit period, this is not an option, this is not something we're gonna tiptoe around. Men simply think with their fists and women get hit. And I always had a very real objection to that because I have a brother. Yeah. It offended Mm -hmm. me. I was so angry. I I couldn't believe that she would say that. Your
0: brother would be doing that or, you know, it's okay. Well, and
2: and the thing that offended me was my mom saying that he had no other option but to be that. I was actually, because I knew my brother. He was, you know, a loving little boy. Mm -hmm. So it was... It was very confronting and I was always very argumentative. And now in the middle of all of this chaos, one thing that I always had that I always give my mom credit for is we had constant permission to ask questions, no matter what we could ask questions. And that is so important because even if you don't get an answer, if you're encouraged to ask a question, then you're at least considering that maybe there's something different other than what's in front of you. Yeah. And that's yes. what was a very real part of my own survival. Keep asking questions. And so, anyway, we go through um, years of abuse when I was very young. And um, as you read the book, I do talk about abusive situations. And frankly, you know, it, it was always present, and certain situations the abuse escalates in a very uh, destructive way. But one of the things that I keep talking about as I go through it is my mental process of constantly questioning, well, what does this mean? And what what now? And how am I gonna handle this? And that's one of the things, even though we don't talk about it, but abuse um, survivors have to go through that constantly. As you're a victim going through it, you're constantly having to navigate how you're going to survive the situation, and keep a sense of who you are. And that is a it's, very, very difficult like thing. It seems
0: like impossible. Yeah. It, seems it like. is
2: insane. So the the abuse continued throughout the years, and uh, the book actually goes through only uh, my life up until I'm about 13. Yeah, that's what and I was, but you had more yes. abuse
0: happen after that.
2: Yes. So the I, I really only cover the first 13 years because, you know, one of the things here is if you're talking to a woman who's abused, you're you're really late. we We need to start talking to young girls mm-hmm. to uh, help them understand what kinds of expectations they should have in their lives. And my story up my first thirteen years, was this constant cycle of different types of abuse, and I kept working and kept fighting and I actually got out of a situation only to go back in when my mother and another important woman in my life, suggested it was time for me to go back to an abuser wow. and what i understood and this is a big big deal what i understood at that time it wasn't a question of whether or not you know i deserved it this you know a lot of times people talk about esteem and esteem does come into play but that comes in once it's destroyed but i didn't have an issue of esteem what i had an issue with was the reality of the world that i was in and women that were important to me, my most important woman,
0: we're
2: wanted you, me to go back.
0: Yeah, we're telling you it was okay it, to yeah, go they back. Were... <gasps> oh. And not
2: only okay, but the truth mm-hmm. is, my mother related to me more. She mm-hmm. talked to me more. She embraced me more. The times I was trying to be out of it, I lost my mom. So at 13 wow. years old, I simply understood that if I was going to have a place in my family, I was going to have to make this work. You
0: were going to have to take.
2: So this. now that mm-hmm. exactly. Exactly. Oh I'm going to have to make this work, or I'm going to have to go out into the world and discover something else, which I have already, I had already done a lot of, you know, uh, looking around, mm-hmm. and I saw there was a lot of abuse in the world. Yeah. So I can either leave my family and go through this all over again, or at least have my family and figure out how to make this work.
1: No, and, and that definitely brings us into yeah, our that, next that's question. Exactly, yeah, that yes. exactly. You said it's, it's not easy to leave, you know, tell us the true meaning behind this.
2: Whenever we start talking about what is it like to leave? And again, I, I wanna credit um, you know, the, the feeling that people have is, oh my God, this is urgent, you need to leave right now. I get that because it's terrifying to think of a person in an abusive situation, but people often think that what you're doing is you're, lo- you're leaving an abuser or one particular abusive situation, the truth is abuse is a system that affects the entire family it's generational it, it affects us uh, socially it is so big and so intertwined it is not about leaving an abuser
0: just, well, the it's one, just the not one, the one yeah that one situation it's a, it's bigger than
2: you, that it's so much bigger and you know in, in a very simple kind of way i, I often compare this to Making a a major life decision and people, you know, tend to break it down to, well, why don't you just leave? Oh, well, you I guess you like it there. Well, the truth is, if we were talking about a different topic, if we weren't talking about abuse, if we were talking about any other topic to make a major life change, we would say, Oh, slow down. You gotta think about this. Mm-hmm. If you were opening a business, you would say, now wait a minute. What kind of business is it? Do you believe it'll work? Mm -hmm. What's it going to cost you? Wait, wait, wait. When you open it, how are you going to maintain it? What's going to be the investment? We literally spend more time preparing to open a coffee shop than we do trying to make sure that getting out of an abusive life and creating a new life will work. It's because we are so in the moment of the urgency of this situation do you think that we why, don't really look at this.
0: Yeah, and do you think that's why um a lot of women sometimes have to fall back into an abuser or they or go back to that same situation?
2: Or... There there are so many reasons. So whenever we look at um leaving, like just in my situation, my decision was I would have to leave my family Yeah. and when it comes right down to it if if you're going to ask yourself on your deepest level am I willing to give up the love of my family for anything how many people are gonna be able to say yeah I think I can do that yeah. if you're gonna do that you're going to have to have such an extremely strong support system I mean because you're giving up things like you know regular physical affection and interaction and interest and things that are, are simply requirements mm-hmm. about being human. And that's the thing, we, we forget the humanity in this. We break it down to just the details and we forget the overall humanity. And whenever we talk about people going back, one of the, the big failures I think we have in in terms of our overall system and how we look at things is we have this thing of, okay, now you're out, Okay, things are okay now. Well, the truth is, um, and this is kind of the long answer to your question a little while ago, Mm -hmm. my abuse continued, and I stayed in abuse until my mother died when I was 30. And after my mother died, that's when I understood there was no reason for me to stay in the life anymore because I was staying for my mom. And I'm 49 now. Was that
0: for your relationship for your mom? So your mom would stay close to you? Because Absolutely. That's Because your mother felt closer to you when she knew you were in that situation.
2: Yes. Wow. Yes. My mother had things to say. My mother could identify with me. She couldn't identify with this, this young girl who was fighting to get away from something and, and working to say, no, 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 because no, this is her. wrong.
0: Because that wasn't
2: her. That's, that's her. not – She she had no space to it, right? right? She came from her own life of abuse, and – you know, she had she was a, an alcoholic and had a, a lot of issues. Uh, you know, she was not diagnosed with any kind of mental illness, but just given her life, she dealt with a lot of issues um, that really affected her. And for her daughter to pull away in such a way, I mean, that would be a major loss for her. So I understand it, you know, on a psychological level, uh, but in the reality of my life, it came down to a choice. and. You know, some of the things that that come up whenever people talk about why um, women don't leave, there are some very practical reasons, right? Like maybe the abuser is so violent he's going to follow. And I've definitely been in that situation. Mm -hmm. Um, I've heard things like, you know, I've known women who don't know how to handle money, who have never worked, who maybe have um, immigration issues and wouldn't be able to find work. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. In my story, none of that's true. I was actually the one who paid all the bills. I was actually the one who took care of everything. So when you look at my story, you would say, oh, well, you're the one with all the power. Why don't you make this happen? And it goes back to, what's the cost of this? Mm -hmm. The cost of this is I am going to give up everything that's important in my life. Mm -hmm. And in terms of going back. Your family. In terms of going back, yeah, exactly. And in terms of going back, absolutely. You know, After my mom died, Every, I mean, I work to get away from a certain life and I'm going to tell you, there is an entirely different kind of world that comes up because after mom's gone and I'm working and working and working to try to change my life and try to heal, which by the way, I, I started... Um, self-healing and and therapy and all kinds of things whenever I was in my teens. So I was always working on oh, this. Wow. Mm-hmm. But now, now mom's gone at 30 and I'm focused just on this. Well, now here's where the night terrors are almost constant. Here's where the panic attacks come, where I am so physically overcome with a terror that I can't walk out of my house and go more than a block away i have to turn back Um, things like uh, depression that i dealt with all of my life came back in extreme ways where i would literally uh, fall asleep and i would not wake up for 24 to 30 hours i would just pass out and then whenever i would get up It would be all of my my physical energy to be able to stand up and function. The things that happen afterward, people don't talk about enough. So in the middle of this, I now have said goodbye to a lot of people and I'm trying to work on this. Well, where am I getting my replenishment? Where am I getting back to the humanity of this? I don't have anyone in my day-to-day life who's supporting me, who's embracing me. I have no more physical touch. There is such a loss in this transition that you have to rebuild from ground zero, yeah. and that we just don't talk about. So, uh, kind of a long answer to your question. That's sort of um, the the overall timeline of the abuse and recovery. And again, now I'm 49 years old, and I, I'm still recovering. Yeah. You know, I'm at a point where I've recovered enough where I'm able to share certain things and and hopefully offer some comfort in different ways, but I'm gonna continue to be working on recovery, I I think, throughout my life.
0: Yeah, and this is, you know, I think that when your mother passed away, it it just opened up all those other feelings that you started to have. I mean, were they still around, or?
2: Yes, yes, so all of those things were still there. Um, So, depression was was there early onset, and, um, you know, there's, there's now some some studying and some statistics around the physical uh, or health impact of uh, childhood abuse, mm-hmm. and so there are always there's always something like if you, if you look at the book you'll see certain things coming up with depression and and thoughts of suicide and uh, seizures and so forth. So there's always been an impact, and. I've always had to deal with it. You know, I've always dealt with suicidal thoughts. Um, I've always dealt with depression. I've always dealt with um, nightmares and so forth. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. Whenever my mother was around, my priority was managing that and managing everything that was happening. Now, whenever my mother's gone and the abuse in my life is gone, now the time and the energy is suddenly mm-hmm. very real about dealing with all of these other things. That's you know, it's it's time and energy too. That's exactly it. Because, you know, um whenever my mother was around, the the priority was not whether or not I was going to be okay. The priority was managing my relationships. so I, I could hold on to the affection of my mother no matter what, because that was what I needed. Mm-hmm. And then whenever that was gone, all of that time is now okay, now what? so everything else comes up in a in a much deeper way
0: oh oh my gosh i know when we talked before you mentioned um how your your relationship with your brother helped you cope like through going going through it all can you tell us like a little bit about about that and how how that absolutely how that, how that played a part
2: yeah it's uh so my brother is just a year older than me um it, his name is roman and Roman and I were, were very, very close whenever we were young. And part of it is just age and so forth. But the other thing is, um, you know, we were in this really chaotic situation. And you're sort of looking around, you know, like every child has to learn how to navigate through the world. It's just a little bit crazier whenever you bring in abuse and you bring in such conflicting information. So Roman and I started to really um, look to each other in a certain way for clarity and for support. And me personally, I started looking at my brother in a very real way um, after I really got to a very deep low. Mm -hmm. Um, I was incredibly um, angry and and depressed and really got to a hopeless space when I was five. I was listening, I was watching, I was seeing, how my mother was directly teaching me that I was supposed to grow up to be a woman who is hurt. And I already understand that even though we say children are not supposed to be sexually abused, that's simply what happens, that's the world we're in. And I simply could not hold the thought of growing up to be a woman who gets married and gets hit and has babies who are going to be hurt. and. I actually got to a point where I'm five years old and I am so exhausted, I'm ready for my exit plan. Mm -hmm. And I made a decision that I was going to uh, simply understand that I'm not going to make it and I made a suicide attempt. Mm -hmm. And obviously it didn't work, but I'm going to tell you when it didn't work, I did not feel. You know, happy that I was alive. I did not feel apologetic for it. I was really angry. I was really upset because, you know, I was looking at this world that I am actively being taught that I'm supposed to be in a place where I just accept being hurt and accept that my my babies are going to be hurt. So I could not hold any kind of real faith in living my own life. So I really focused on my brother. And I understood that Roman, you know, didn't deserve any of the damage that's going on. I don't know what he thinks, but I know that I need another reason to drive me. And so Roman in a real way was my drive to keep moving and keep pushing and keep questioning. And um, we've, we've gone through some really amazing ups and downs throughout our, our relationship. And I have to say that to this day, we have such uh, an amazing trust in each other. And he still is a wonderful driving force in terms of reminding me uh, to keep fighting
1: and to keep going. Oh,
0: that's
1: beautiful. That's so beautiful. Uh, I'm sorry. I just need a minute because I have yeah. a five-year-old and it's yeah. just like, it just breaks my heart. You know, I just, Thank you for sharing your story, because um, we need to do better. No, I, I, I appreciate your
2: saying that. That Thank you, thank you for, for talking about this. And, and I do want to say something to that. You know, one of the things that when people read my story, one of the things that people often say is, I can't believe that you were so aware and you had that kind of pressure when you were five. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. one thing that I want to say is, Back to we look at things kind of on a surface level, and we understand you know, we see commercials about it, right? That the first five years, human beings, the nature of who we are, we're absorbing, we're learning at a lightning pace. Mm-hmm. Everything around us we're learning language, we're learning music, we're learning physical movement, we're learning communication, we're learning all kinds of things. So, knowing that. If you put that person in a world of abuse, of course they're going to learn some of these things. Of course they're going to. And then whenever people ask me, well, how would why were you so affected though? Why wouldn't you just accept this? And there's a part of me that always, you know, my my reaction to that question is always a physical sensation because my answer is, well, you know, you know in your gut. I mean, how many times have you just in your own life been in a situation that you haven't been prepared for, mm-hmm. but in your gut, you simply know whether or not to trust it or not. And I think that sometimes people forget that kids have that clarity just in who they are and what they know is simply a safe environment or an unsafe environment, the same way we do as an adult to say, follow your gut. And With that, I think it's just, if you start looking at it like that, then it's completely reasonable to understand that your kids are absorbing things in ways that maybe you're not thinking of, but they're absorbing their world. Mm -hmm. That's what they're absorbing. So um, do you think uh, forgiveness is possible? So forgiveness, um, I I have a, I I know a little bit of a challenging position on that, and I I appreciate your asking that because I think this is an important topic. So I was raised attending a lot of different churches, but primarily Catholic. So even though I don't really consider myself religious uh, at this point in my life, um, if people ask me, then yes, I was raised Catholic. And there's definitely a particular um, lesson to move toward forgiveness. But even if you take away the religious aspect of it, the concept of forgiveness, if you're going to look up the definition, it means to be free of your anger. Mm-hmm. Now, I have a real argument to that because my genuine answer is no. I haven't forgiven because I'm still angry. Yeah, yeah But, But here's my argument. I don't know that it's necessary for me to give up my anger. I think what's important for me is to understand that the anger is valid and to figure out what I'm going to do with it. It comes down to the truth is a lot of the work that I do is because it's fueled by anger because this shouldn't have happened. And I know the kinds of consequences that come from it. So I'm gonna use that to drive me forward to keep working. But I don't think that people really pay attention to what it genuinely means to forgive. If you're going to say I've forgiven, then that means you no longer hold anger. If that's true, then wonderful. Mm -hmm. But I think what happens is we're given a lesson that says, you know, what you're supposed to do is forgive. I do not think that that's what you're supposed to do. I think that when when I'm in a situation where I'm a victim, my job is to survive. As a survivor, my job is to heal. And then, when there's enough healing, hopefully I can share some things in my healing, and when I've healed enough, then maybe forgiveness will be possible because maybe I will no longer need the anger. But to, I I think that we use forgiveness in such a way that we actually start blaming the victim even more. Well, you know, what you really need to do is forgive. No, no, I think what you really need to do is acknowledge that your anger is valid and figure out what you need to do to heal. That's it, because I, I personally do not believe forgiveness is a decision. Forgiveness is a gift that comes after there's enough healing. You can't simply decide it, because if you mm. could, then none of us would ever have to be angry again. So yeah. I just look at at forgiveness
1: a little bit differently.
0: And
1: then t- That's a really amazing intake on forgiveness. It being free with your anger, but I feel like you said, you know, anger's fueling you and this is why you're able to have the energy to do the things that you're doing right now and and sharing your voice and your story. And um, I I guess we welcome anger. We definitely welcome anger. Well, Um, I I
2: would, I'd like to share just a little bit about that. I have to tell you whenever I was a child, because I was around so much violence, I attempted to make this decision (sighs) that I would never be angry. Well, I'm going to tell you that doesn't work. It doesn't work. Anger is a normal human emotion, and anger is the alarm that says something's wrong here. Anger, yeah. you know, it, it doesn't make you do bad things. You know, hopefully you're gonna learn how to manage it, but the only thing that anger does is it tells you that there's something unacceptable here. Yeah. And on that yes. level, it is a very, very valid emotion that we need to be able to, to respect.
1: No, I, it, it's very powerful, yeah. you know. And and I'm, I'm listening to it, and then I'm forgetting that I'm host. I'm hosting this. Yeah, sorry.
2: No, that's that's fine. Know, I appreciate this, us this us kind of discussion. <laughs> <for> no.
1: <that. laughs> well, and you know, it,
2: it goes back to what we said earlier. This is not an easy topic. Yes. It's just yeah. not. And and you know, one of the things that I know that we talked about earlier, but a big point that I want to keep repeating is all of this discussion, all of this work of course it's not going to be something that we can just say, okay, we talked about it, and now it's done. If you're feeling kind of overwhelmed, well, good. That means that means you're listening and you're understanding because we have to get to a point of realizing that any kind of healing means we have to get back to a level of humanity. We cannot get to simply a list of tasks that we can finish up and say we're well now. If we're going to look at the whole human exactly. being, then we have to be a little bit broader.
1: No, and, and to me, I just feel like, you know, um, so what, like, what is it that your diet consists of? And I, I cause I know I, I'm really big on like, you know, making sure your diet is, is good. It's positive, you know, but like, what do you, what do you surround yourself as far as, you know, cause I know on TV, there's a lot of things that could probably spark up memories and 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 it's like I don't even want to watch any of it because I've lived it it's not a drama series you know like but it's not you know good good tv like this really genuinely happened to me and I'm not about it you know so I just would I'm just very interested like what is it that you listen to and heals you what is healing you right now as far as music or anything that you're into because I mean I would think it'd be really hard to get into into your 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 healing process with like a lot of trash you know around and social media and 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 you know it's just like it's like how do you how do you every day you yeah, know like how, what do you...
0: process now
1: yeah Th- thank you
2: for asking that that that's uh, that is such an important question and so important for people to really look at on a personal level you are absolutely right the environment that we're in uh things in the media things um that it seems like you can't walk outside and be reminded of certain challenges that that we have mm-hmm. one thing and this is a hard one one thing that i have had to do is simply understand where i can contribute and where it's dangerous for me to attempt to one of oh, the things okay. that happens is people often think okay, well, this is this is your cause, you know, whatever cause it is. Mm-hmm. So you should be in there. Well, here's the reality. My strength and my ability is really about connecting with people on an individual level and reminding people to connect on a very deep, uh, intimate level and leave room for the human experience. There is a lot of work that we need to do on different levels. The level we're talking about with uh, societal systems, with uh, legal challenges, with where we are in terms of uh, political um, actions, Mm -hmm. those are incredibly important things that we need to do. That is not where I am safe really delving into. There are certain things, um, whenever we start talking about, you know, I don't know if you guys have heard of this film that is I Am Evidence. Um, this is this film that talks about the frightening number of rape kits that have gone untested. And they talk to uh, different police stations, and you hear what the police actually say that they don't test them or they don't believe. Wow. When we start looking at that, it's in, it's incredibly important that the film is made, that we have people really digging in and saying, no, I'm going to hold each city accountable and they need to test and they need to do this. But for me, that is too um, difficult for me because what comes up for me is remembering times when I would attempt to report and I would have a police officer directly tell me, you know, do you really want to do this? Because it's going to be a waste of time. So it brings up such a depth of pain for me. It's not good for me. So I have to know when I can step in and when I can't. Now, that doesn't mean I don't do other things. I vote in ways um, that support what I believe is going to be good for us. Mm -hmm. I -hmm. I reach out whenever people are affected in this way. But for me to, you know, go to uh, give a speech at, a particular political environment, that's not necessarily good for me. And one of the things that any survivor has to do, if you are at that point and you're attempting to give back and attempting to share your experiences, do it in a way that is going to be good for you. Because if it's not good for you, then you're not going to be able to really offer your support anyway because all you're going to do is end up reliving and re-traumatizing some of the things. So I am very specific in making some of those decisions. So some of the other things that I do, I, I, I simply accept that there is a way I can contribute and a way that I can't. Mm-hmm. The other things I do is I know that I need a certain kind of replenishment. Um, I still deal with a lot of depression and I still deal with with suicidal thoughts. So I actually have a suicide safety plan. I actually um, know my own um, indicators whenever I'm going into a, a deeper sense of sinking. Um, I have particular people that I reach out to whenever I know that I'm going too low. Uh, But before that happens, in terms of just trying to be okay, I have some amazing people in my life. Mm. Amazing people. And these are people who understand um, that I come from a space that sometimes is going to make things more difficult for me. But there's no magic pill to make everything okay. Mm. And I have some really beautiful people in my life who simply know that the best thing they can do is show up and be with me and be who they are, and you know allow me to enjoy their company. And so I do that, and I write. I write, uh, I do a lot of personal journaling. Um, i I listen to music and I take a lot of walks and um, try to stay physically active just to manage my depression. Yeah. okay.
1: Yeah, because, you know, like you said, it's like it's not about just like fulfilling these tasks, you know. So I'm glad you shared, uh, you know, some of these tips about what you do personally, because that can help some of our listeners. Mm -hmm. And maybe, you know, that's why we're here. So thank you.
2: I I appreciate that. I just wanted to add, just say one more thing on on the whole thing of Mm self-care. One of the big things and, and sort of the same tone of what I've been talking about here is don't don't try to mute your own hurt you know we live in a world where everyone's supposed to feel better but to be honest whenever i'm in a space of hurt sometimes what i need to do is simply acknowledge that and i I still have a, a lot of dark dreams i don't fight the dreams i just let them happen and part of that is simply knowing that part of healing is going to be painful and if i can simply honor that rather than fight it then I can move past that space a little bit easier. Okay.
0: That's that's a good that I mean and, and that's um you know it, good advice for somebody who's in that space that doesn't know what to do you know and that's really yeah another reason why we wanted to have you on the show because we know there are so many people out there that your that your story is helping that you you know you as you go around telling your story um as an activist to help you know women that have been through what you have gone through um this these these key things that you're saying are huge you know um in in healing and in, and in finding a way to to maintain and keep on going you know so yes, I think yes I, I hope so I think you saying like you have your support system that's that's huge you know find your support system you know And we really wanted to put this message out there like there are ways to heal and help and and you know find, you know find your way. Uh, yes. And, and on a, yeah, on a and path. and look outside
2: of your circle. Look mm-hmm. outside of your circle. We keep wanting to hold on to the people we're close to, but no, look look outside. That that's where you're going to likely there. find mm-hmm. more options.
0: So you're in the California area because a lot of our listeners are in the Cali area. So are you going to be anywhere? Um, what do you have anything coming up, where anybody can come and support you? Where you're going to be at? Um, any other states or any other. Events that you're going to be participating in?
2: Um, I am in in the Los Angeles area. Um, I do not have anything public right now. Okay. Um, I I would invite anyone to take a look at my website, which is bobbybecerra.com. and you can follow me on Twitter or on Facebook. The links are on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twitter is where I would announce uh, most of um, the activity or any publications. But absolutely, please reach out.
0: Yes, and you guys really want to pick up Bobby's book because it really gives um it's it's such a great book you 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 you're super strong you're just such a strong woman
2: no thank 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 you for that and thank you for for just having this discussion and for reading the book I mean it's it's not it's not an easy read I I I totally get that so thank you very
1: much for reading it um I just wanted to stress too you know the book um Mm -hmm. it it you may not be interested, you know, in, in, in in this, but if you have maybe someone that um, is a partner and they experienced it and you're trying to get a better understanding of Mm -hmm. how to help them be one of those beautiful people in their, in their life now that they're going through healing and you're just trying to get a deeper understanding, this book is just, goes way beyond that, you know, so if you're having some difficulty, really understanding somebody and leveling with them, Mm -hmm. pick up this book, and it might change your insight. And you can really open up, you know, um, a beautiful experience for the healing process for the person who is, you know, um, trying to vibrate higher. So it's it's an amazing read, amazing read. And, And I hope everybody gets, you know, something from it and, and learns and shares it because this is a discussion. Yes, it's offensive, going. but mm-hmm. people need to be offended. People need to be offended. Like we need to wake up and start doing better. So thank you so much, Bobby, for being on the show. You're amazing. Thank you for sharing these tips and, 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 and ways to cope. Um, and I hope our listeners, um, reach out to you, you know, directly and, and, and try to seek you out So yeah, thanks again for being on Girl Talking Moz. Thank you. Ladies, thank you so much for
2: having me. I really appreciate it. I was excited whenever we started talking about this and Mm -hmm. and I really um I I believe in this kind of work. So thank you very much for paying some attention and and dedicating some time.
0: Definitely, definitely. Thank you for sharing anything that we can ever do to help you. Um, get your word out. If you ever want to come to Texas for any reason, we are here. (laughs) That would be great. The next time time you're in Texas, (laughs) you you definitely need to reach out and we will go have dinner because we just want to meet you and hug you and and just be be around you because you are amazing. So thank you so much. Thank you ladies so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Please count on us. Yes. Yes, Thank you so
1: much.